Okay, good morning, everybody. Um, so as Grant said, we're actually going to take an intentional digression from our Ephesians series. I thought Timothy just blew our minds last week, right, with all the scripture, all the depth of revelation, and all that's really available to us. And he had mentioned um, beforehand, this is what I feel like God's putting on, our, on my heart to speak, and we said, yeah, that sounds great, go for it. And by the end of his message, I thought, only God could have tied together the last like three months of what we've been studying into one message like that. If you guys have been following along, you know that was just so incredible. Um, and so I felt like the Lord was just, you know, tapping me on the shoulder and saying, man, if we don't do like a full stop moment to acknowledge what was delivered last week, then we're sort of going to move on and miss what was really positioned for us to like step into. So that's what today is really about. It's about just pushing pause and going really deep into and a very practical look at how do we walk in an open heaven kingdom lifestyle. Because I don't know if you're like me, but um, sometimes what we believe and how we live are really hard to connect, right? And so I felt like the Lord gave me a prophetic declaration for you guys, and this is a promise. I don't do this very often, but this is a promise that if you will start speaking this over yourself, I genuinely believe it will start to bear fruit in your life. And it's really simple, and it's this. So if this is a great day to take notes if you're a notes person, but um, it's this. God wants you to be an integrated person. Simple enough, right? So everybody, let's just say it together. God wants me to be an integrated person. So an integrated person is someone who knows what they believe and lives that out in effortlessness, okay? So I understand this is something we have to train ourselves to become, right? It's kind of like if you're watching somebody learn how to do the splits, and the farther apart they go, if there's not a lot of solid, they just fall over. It's like the farther apart our understanding gets from what we're living, the harder it is to walk in how God called us to walk. Does that make sense? And so I believe that for us today, and that's sort of what we're going to talk about on a very practical level, is how do we become an integrated person? And for me personally, I had a sort of one of many rock-bottom moments in my life about six years ago, and we, some of you guys know this story, but we had a pregnancy that ended with a stillborn at 20 weeks, and in that same time, they thought maybe I had thyroid cancer because I had a tumor on my thyroid, and it was just a really unpleasant year. And interestingly enough, a few weeks before all of that started to unravel, I was spending time with the Lord, and I felt like the Lord said to me, Rachel, I want you to read Psalm 18, and I don't want you to read anything else until I tell you. So normally I would say that's a very unbalanced thing to do, right? But I submitted it to some friends, really felt like God was saying, no, this is, this is your season, just focus on Psalm 18. So I said, okay. So I read it, and it's this beautiful story of David being in distress, and it says things like, the cords of death have come upon me, and then it goes on to say, he delivered me because he delighted in me, he set me in wide open spaces, and when I read it at first, I thought, this is kind of nice. I had zero understanding that over the next nine months of my life, I would actually live the words of that psalm over and over again. And so in the midst of my life beginning to unravel, we had lost the baby. We didn't know. I hadn't done the biopsy yet on my tumor. We were asking God to heal me. We were doing all the things, right? The fasting, the laying on of hands, all the things the Bible tells us to do. And there was no movement. And there was no healing coming. And I remember one day in particular, right around that time, reading my Bible and reading Psalm 18, because that's what the Lord had told me to do. And I got to this part in verse 19 where it says, he delivered me because he delighted in me. And I just slammed my Bible shut and I threw my hands up in the air and Grant was nearby and I looked at him and I said, I'm not going to be healed because God doesn't delight in me. And it was a rock bottom moment, right? But what the Lord was doing was trying to help me see how my thoughts and what I really was living from were so far apart. 
That, and, and Grant looked at me and he said, Rachel, you tell people all the time, God delights in you, he loves you. I said, I know I say that to them, but in this moment right now, I'm realizing I don't believe this for myself. And when, it's, when it feels like my healing is hinging on whether I believe that, now I don't necessarily think that's true, but in that moment, that's what I was feeling, that my healing is gonna be dependent on if I can believe you delight in me. And this moment right now, I don't think I can say that's true. And what the Lord did in his infinite wisdom and just merciful kindness was he led me through some of the darkest days of my life and he showed me just how much he really delights in me. But what was required was an understanding of the disconnection that was happening in my heart. That integration that followed has become a really effortless place for me to live through, to be able to just say, even on my darkest days, I know the Lord delights in me. I might not be perfect, but I know he's with me. I know he's going to come through. But that requires some practice and some tackling and some struggle. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to actually dive into what does it look like to struggle well with the Lord. Um, I'm a very familiar struggler. Sometimes I feel like I drive the struggle bus. Anybody else ever feel like that? Where you're like, these revelations are so good, but I do not understand how to make these happen in my life. And the Lord has given me some keys and some tools. And so what we're going to do today is just, I'm just going to give those to you. I've never given some of these publicly before, but I felt like there's this, um, there's a weightiness about what we're called to live in as sons and daughters of God. And, and God is so ready for you to succeed in the struggle. It's not that he doesn't want you struggling. He just wants you to understand why you're struggling and what's at stake in that struggle. Does that make sense? So again, the Lord wants you to be an integrated person, and he wants you to be able to know the word and do the word, to be able to hear the word and have it sit with you, that there's not a big disconnect in that. I want to just say, as a side note, rock-bottom moments are actually usually from the Lord because they expose our disconnectedness. They expose what we thought we knew about God but actually can't put into practice. So if you've ever had a moment like that in your life, that's, that's a good thing. Don't look at that as a sad thing. We're so accustomed to feel like failure is just this terrible thing, but God doesn't look at it like that. God looks at that moment where I threw my Bible down. When, you know, I've, that's happened to me a couple of times, okay, if I'm just being totally transparent. But in those moments, I think that's when heaven is rejoicing like, okay, great, now that you can see what needs to be done, now I can help you get there right? As long as I'm in denial that everything's okay, nothing is going to change. It requires me to actually look at my life and say, oh, this is wrong. Oh, I thought I knew that, but it's actually not working for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to you about brain science. So I'm not a brain scientist, okay? Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce some of the words I'm going to talk to you about today. So um, bear with me. I want to give you a couple of, there's a couple of resources out there where the brain science world in the last 20 years, God has been breathing on it and it is catching up and it's actually confirming what the Bible tells you to do with your life. So today we're going to talk about the brain and the, the center of where your struggle really is. So everybody say neuroplasticity. So now you are a brain scientist yourself. So neuroplasticity is the nature and the state of your brain. It is the fact that your brain is actually like a plastic. It is malleable, okay? So this isn't going to be too, too um, intense or wordy, but I want you to think about it like this. You have a heart. Everybody has a heart. Everybody knows right now that your heart is doing what? It's beating. All of the organs in our body are designed by God to serve a specific function right? Think about it like an algorithm or a code. They're all written down. This is what a stomach does. Food comes in, it digests, it makes waste, it pulls nutrients out. Every time food comes into your body, your stomach is programmed to do the same thing. 
Your heart is designed to do that. Your heart's actually, the byproduct of what it's designed to do is the pumping, just in case you wondered, right? The heart is actually to filter the blood through all your extremities and everywhere so you can stay alive. The way it does that is through beating, and it beats on a specific rhythm, right? If you've ever watched doctor shows, I'm a doctor's kid. I can't watch doctor shows because when I would watch them, my parents would come in and within five minutes, they would be going, oh, you would never do that. Oh, you know, ER used to be really popular, right? And I was in high school when it was out and I would watch ER and my mom would come in and sit down next to me and she'd make it five minutes before going, you would never do this. You would never bring somebody from the OR back to the ER. And I was just like, you know what, guys? You're ruining my show because I don't know how the healthcare world works, right? And I just want to see the drama. Um, but that's, so this is how it works. Your heart is actually designed to beat on a rhythm. Your brain has a code that it is designed to work by. The challenge about our brain is that we actually are aware of whether it's working or not. Our heart, we might not be aware until something goes really wrong. Our stomach, right, other organs, we might not be very aware of if they're doing what they're supposed to do, but our brain, we become really aware. The brain is this interesting thing because you have thoughts, but then you have thoughts you don't know you're having, and it's a very tricky thing, right? So can we dive into how the brain is designed to actually help you live a kingdom lifestyle, okay? I'm assuming you've probably never heard something like this before, so just take some notes. If you have questions, I'll be happy to do the best of my ability on the back end to answer them. All right. Philippians 4.8 says to meditate on things, right, all the good things. Focus your thoughts on what's noble, what's true, what's honorable, all these things, if you're familiar with this verse. Did you know when you focus thought, you actually build fleshly neuropathways in your brain? When you focus thoughts on something, your brain actually like, builds physical matter, this is science, okay, around that thought, and then it becomes a part of who you are. So when the Bible tells us to focus our thoughts on good things, why? Because that gives us a highway that our other thoughts can land on. What you think about the most grows. So here's how this relates to when we're struggling. If you have spent a considerable amount of time in your life, and I have too, so you're in good company, thinking about things that are contrary to God, you have a lot of actually physical matter in your brain that is sitting there that's in counterintuitiveness to the ways of God. Okay, so here's what that looks like. I'll get there in a second. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. All right, another thing your brain does, it catalogs. You have an experience, a thought, a thought goes through your mind. Your brain, it's like a computer code. It starts going, let me see and match this to all the experiences you've had before and see if I can find a category to fit it to. This is why when you get around somebody that's like you, you start going, oh, I like you. Right? Because all the categories are going, you like this, you like this, this is good for you. When you get around somebody that you don't like, it starts going, you don't like this person because it's, it's filtering all of these thoughts of maybe hurts, frustrations that you've had in the past. This is actually the way God designed your brain to work, okay? Sometimes we call things spiritual warfare that are really just the biological nature of our brain, and we need to understand that our spirit is designed to shape our brain. Your brain is an organ, it's not just who you are right? You are an eternal being. We've talked about this at length. You're an eternal being, so your spirit has permission from God to tell your brain, this is how I'm going to be. But this is what cataloging does for us. So what happens is we have a new thought, 
God brings us into a new revelation. You are a worthy son or daughter of God. Or let me put it better, that you are now made worthy by Jesus, right? We all know we're technically really not worthy, but because of Jesus. And so we say, oh, wow, so Lord, like what Timothy was talking about last week, so Lord, because I'm positioned inside of you, I'm at the right hand of the throne of God because I am in Jesus right now. That should make my life far better than it really is. But you have all of these thoughts that have been saying, you're not worthy, you're not worthy, you stink. Remember that time you failed, right? So you have this new thought come in and then your brain does what it does. We don't believe this, right? It goes, I'm searching all these catalogs. Well, all of my catalogs are saying, as I'm trying to match this up, that this, doesn't, this isn't actually what you believe. So then your brain tries to flush the new thought because that's what your brain is designed to do. All right, so again, your brain is designed to keep you believing what you believe. This is a good thing, because if you're believing the good stuff, it'll keep you on track. When, when your brain is, has anybody ever had a, you don't have to raise your hand. Has anybody have, had a moment with like a jealous ex? I had a high school relationship that, you know, wasn't healthy. Are any in high school healthy? Probably, mostly not. But um, I had one, and I, the Lord, you know, I had this prophetic dream that I was convinced was for other people. I was 17 years old, and the Lord was like, hey, that is for you, after I tried to give it to four other people, and it just fell flat. And, and it was for me, and it was all about this guy I was dating, and the Lord was like, he's really not helpful to you. And I said, well, Lord, I, don't, I, I like his comfort, right? I like being around him. It's, this is like, like this is high school. I need somebody to go to the dances with and that kind of thing. And I just got so convicted I needed to let go of that relationship. Well, he did not share that same conviction. And so um, I would wake up in the morning to, I'm not kidding, okay, tear-stained letters on my car of his undying love for me and how difficult it was that I was going to break up with him or I was trying to break up with him. An interesting thing happened with me in that. I no longer wanted to be with him, but yet I kept going back to him because I just didn't know how to say no right? It's that the, the jealous ex grand gesture last moment. And so our final parting when the Lord was like, hey, you know, it's almost like that open heavens moment. It wasn't that, but just the conviction of the Holy Spirit going, are you going to listen to me or not, you know? And so there was one final grand gesture before I really never talked to him again. And that was good. <laughs> this is what your brain does, okay? When you've decided that you're going to live a new way, it starts going through all the other thoughts. It starts pulling them up and saying, remember this, Remember when you thought about this? Some of us, we look at that and we think, oh, and we use that as doubt. And we look at that and we say, oh, maybe I don't believe this new thing. Are you guys tracking with me? Maybe, or, or let, let's put it in the realm of like temptation and overcoming. The Lord says, listen, this is not good for you, a relationship, a sin, whatever. You say, all right, I'm going, I'm going for Jesus. I'm setting that aside. A month goes by, two months goes by. You're doing so good. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, your jealous ex thought has this grand romantic gesture. And you know what brain science will tell you? This one part is a little bit not confirmed. The other stuff I'm telling you is, is true. You know, it's been confirmed medical science. But this part is in the process of being confirmed. That when that thought comes up for the last time, it comes up the loudest ever because it wants you to re-empower it. That's not necessarily spiritual warfare, that's biology, right? Your brain will actually let go of that thought. It will become no longer physical matter. This is what neuroplasticity means if you will not go back to it. So how many of us in our struggle, we get a couple of months and we're doing good. We're, everywhere we go, we're like, I'm aware of you, Jesus. We get into circumstances and we're going, okay, Lord, you're with me. What can you do in this situation to help me navigate this well, to be like you, all those kinds of things. And then out of nowhere, something comes up and you're like, 
oh. And then so many of us, we start going backwards. We start doubting. We start thinking maybe that wasn't the Lord. When all along, it's just that jealous ex thought saying, one last time, do we really not believe this anymore? I'm just going to say as audaciously as I can, I'm going to trust Jesus to sort this out on the back end, but I genuinely believe that if we will understand this process in our brain, we will struggle so much less. Because then it becomes recategorizing our experiences, not questioning what we believe. Does that make sense? Let me put it this way. Be so bold, if you will. Well, before I say that, I want to make a note about mental illness. I, I believe that, that we're talking about the brain when it's working well, okay? The brain is just like any other organ. Mental illness is a thing. It happens. When your heart goes has a problem, you need to deal with your heart problem, right? We can't just pretend like your heart is all the way good. Now, I, I, my personal conviction, you don't have to share this with me, that's totally okay. My personal conviction is that a lot of mental illness maybe starts as a spiritual problem, but once it becomes a physical problem, it, you need a different plan to attack it, right? We can't, uh, we, are you guys tracking with me? All right, that's a side note. Okay, so be so bold with me. Raise your hand if you would say you are an emotional person. Like, I'm somebody who's led by my emotions. My gut feelings are important to me. Gut feelings are like facts. I'm that way. Be bold. It's okay. You can raise your hand, okay? So you're, I'm not necessarily talking about irrational emotionalism. I'm just talking about you feel and you like that you feel. And facts don't really matter when you have a feeling that is telling you what's true. All right, now the other ones of you, raise your hand if you're a logic-based person and facts are facts and feelings need to get in line because facts are facts, right? This is beautiful. All right, most of you are probably sitting next to somebody who raised their hand at a different time than you. This is how God does it. But our culture has told us that emotion and logic are actually enemies when God designed them to be best friends, okay? We are not only logical or only emotional, we are designed to be able to navigate both because our brain is an organ. It's not the center of who we are, right? So here's what that looks like. I heard this quote recently. I thought it was so good. This lady was talking about emotions, and she said, your emotions are like kids. You don't put them in the trunk, but you also don't let them drive your car. That's good, right? That's really good. Our emotions are designed to be in check. They are indicators. We've talked about this some. They give you signals. They give you warnings. Now, everybody's brain is coded in a specific way. This is where we get things like the Myers-Briggs type indicator test, the strengths finder, stuff like that. Our brains do the same thing, but they do them in different ways, which is what we would call your personality. So if you are a feeler, then that's how your code is going to be designed. So it's not like you have to then become something different than you you are, you just have to understand how this works together. If you are a logic-based person, some of us have been told as logic-based people that emotions don't serve any purpose for you. And then some of us that are super logical have a really hard time accessing our emotions. I would say it's the same thing as we don't want them to drive our car. We don't want them in the trunk either. They're helpful to you. So I want to show you what this looks like in terms of how we struggle. We have an encounter with God. It's a great encounter. Maybe you experienced that this morning in worship. The Lord comes. He touches your heart. You typically have an emotional reaction to that. This is kind of just how we're designed. You get like what we might call a high, like the endorphins and adrenaline starts working in your body. Remember, the Holy Spirit created your body with God, so he knows how all of this works together, right? So you start to have a, an emotional response. That emotion rides for like a day or two. 
it's just actually how it's designed. If you have a high adrenaline moment, um, psychologists will tell you it takes like 48 hours to get that fully, you get your body back to homeostasis. If you've ever been, if you've ever been in a home where there's like a rager or um, there's like really intense like chaos, right? When that like heightened level of like happens, they'll tell you it takes about 48 hours to get all of that adrenaline back out of your body. And I think it's the same when we go on like a really great moment with God. So we have this moment with God. We have an emotional response. We feel good. He gives us a promise, and all of a sudden we're like, yes. We're like Joseph with the dream, you know, where all the, all the bales of hay are going to bow down to me, and I'm going to do the purposes of God, and it's going to be so amazing. And then the 48 hours typically starts to fade, and then something interesting happens where logic starts to kick in, and our logic is designed to state things as facts. And so then there, depending on what you believe, that's the facts that your logic is going to bring to you. Okay? So... This is how emotions and logic work as best friends. Emotion gets us excited about the promises of God. Logic calls them facts when the emotions take a dip. Okay? I am married to an amazing, logical person. I cannot tell you how many times when I've had an emotional up and down where Grant will just say, well, this is the word of God. This is how it works. Can we explain that? No. But this is because he has decided these are facts. I would have to go, I don't know if I think that's facts. And because for myself, I wasn't putting the promises of God or his nature or his characters or his ways, whatever category you need help with today, I wasn't putting those things as facts. And so my logic was leading me away from the Lord. Right? Everybody's going, okay, I think I know what this is like in my life. So when we have an experience like last week, we have this amazing moment where the Holy Spirit comes, it's awesome, things happen, we have this emotional release, it's supposed to be like that, and then we have this logical back end. And so if any of you guys this week have had questioning moments, this is what you do with the questioning. Did you know that you live the bulk of your life from something called the subconscious? Okay, so there's a couple of parts of your brain, but the bulk of your life is lived, the thoughts you, the actions that you take, the decisions you make, they're on autopilot. God designed it so that it's not so hard. There's a thing out there in the corporate world called decision fatigue, right? When you've made so many decisions and you're just like, I can't even decide what I want for dinner because I've been deciding all day long. And that's kind of the gift of the Lord that we operate from the subconscious place so that we don't have decision fatigue all the time. So, again, going back to what you think about grows, what you've been thinking about over the course of your life is how you are now living your life on autopilot. So it's either helping you or it's not helping you. That's really the goal of today, is for you to be able to see for yourself, okay, how much of my subconscious is benefiting me, how much of it is not benefiting me. Going back to the neuroplasticity, the amazing thing about God is that he gave you the ability to change what's in your subconscious. Romans 12.2 tells us to renew our minds. This is not just like a nice thing. This is Paul saying prophetically, because they obviously didn't have brain scans and whatnot when he wrote this, but he was saying this is how the brain works. So Paul tells us, renew your minds. There's uh, Philippians. Paul tells us to focus thought on the good stuff. Um, we also have these moments where we're, I'm going to call it inner healing, okay, where the Holy Spirit comes and he does something dramatic in our minds. So I don't know why God makes some things in instantaneous and other things not. That's on him, right? We just, his ways are kind of mysterious, and no matter what, I think we're always going to be surprised if we think it's all this way. Someday we'll be surprised on the other way, and I think he likes to keep us questioning and leaning in towards him. 
But there are moments when inner healing happens where all of these thoughts that are wrong can be changed in an instant. But there's also this other factor of struggling where we have to systematically go through and take them captive, right? This is why Paul says, take every thought captive. Why? Because not everything you're thinking about is helpful to your life. So here's what it looks like. This is a scientific perspective that when you have a thought come up to the front of your mind, has anybody ever had that? Like, you, I haven't thought about that in ages. All of a sudden it comes back to your mind. This happened to me actually in an inner healing experience years ago. Um, I all of a sudden remembered when I was like two or three years old following my brother and his friends and they slammed a door in my face. And, you know, it's, I'm not saying this like warrant sympathy or empathy. I'm just saying it is what it is. And I hadn't thought about that. And it's, I probably didn't even remember I ever thought that. But the Lord brought it up because it had begun to frame some of my feelings and it had caused me to create this lens of rejection, like a stronghold of thoughts of rejection. I do believe there's things that the enemy hides behind where it's almost like demonic, but it's more than just demonic. It's how your brain has accepted those truths or not truths right? And so then once you have this whole like, like life perspective that everybody's always against you because these are how you've been filtering and categorizing and you've been forming those thoughts and making them stronger, it doesn't even matter if somebody's against you. It feels that way because that's how your brain knows how to process, right? So what the Lord does with neuroplasticity is he brings that thought to the front of your mind. They estimate you have about a 15-minute window to recategorize that thought into something different or it goes back down to your subconscious as it was. This is crazy. This is science, I'm telling you right now, right? This is science backing up what God does. So when you have those moments where, let's talk about the open heaven lifestyle, or in other words, accessing God for everything that you need, discovering the Lord with you no matter where you are, however you wanna phrase it, Okay, so when you're having those moments of going, this doesn't make sense, like if you've had a disappointment or a failure or a, man, I, I stepped out in faith here and Lord, you did not come through, right? When that comes front of mind, you have an option of how you recategorize that. Just gonna let that sink in for just a hot second. I don't like this. Can I just be honest? I want God to do that for me. I want God to answer it for me, but the Lord has given me power. We've not been given control for anything else except ourselves, right? We get self-control. We get to decide how am I going to live my life. So if I look at disappointments that I've had and I say, Lord, I don't want this to wreck my relationship with you. It currently is because I don't understand why you did this. I feel so frustrated that you didn't X, Y, Z. The prophetic word was this and it became this, right? Whatever that situation is, we all have them. We all have these moments, especially when we're faith-filled people. We're gonna have moments where our faith did not work for us. So what we do with that is 100% determining how we want to live our life. If we keep categorizing all of those faith-filled moments as disappointing and frustrating and sad, and, and that is a real feeling, then we're fortifying that in our brain. But we've been given through neuroplasticity, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and so many other things, through counsel of people, through friends, through God, I could go on and on. We've been given this opportunity that when that thing comes front of mind, that then our spirit gets to decide, how am I going to categorize that? Am I going to continue to let it be something that's sucking the life out of my faith? Or am I going to look at that and say, man, that was really hard, but Lord, I'm now going to look at this situation and trust you in it. And then it goes back down in the subconscious, a little bit of a different state. When the Holy Spirit brings it back front of mind, you get to do it again. And you actually get to walk out healing. I believe that's the struggle we're all called into. In fact, that's what was happening with Jacob when he was wrestling with God at the riverside. 
right? And he walked away actually physically changed, physically harmed, because it was such a wrestle. I don't know about you, I don't like to watch wrestling because it's really aggressive, right? Makobe can tell you one day, I, he's been doing some MMA fighting, and one day I was like, what is wrong with your eye? And he had bursted blood vessels in his eye from one of his sparring people choking him. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? That's what I'm thinking as a mother and as a woman. And I'm like, cool, cool, that's so great. You know, bless God, amen for your life. But there's something about this, the struggle and the wrestle that's violent and aggressive, right? It's not passive. It's not like going, oh, like Caitlin, stand up here. It's not like being like, you know, she's got the kids, kids calm, walkie on her. Okay, so if I'm struggling, right, and I'm like, oh, I don't like that. Oh, that's not good for me right? It's not going to do anything. She's like not hindered. If I'm, I'm not going to do this to you, but if I'm like, this is wrong, and I'm like, get out, it's going to affect her, right? Okay, you can sit down. Thank you, Caitlin. Great job. I was going to let you come up here, Makobi, but I'm sort of afraid of what you would do, so <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, but if you've ever watched a wrestling match, if you've watched a struggle, it is aggressive, right? And I believe the Lord is inviting you into an aggressive struggle with yourself, with your own thoughts. I believe the Lord is saying, how do you want to live your life? What do you really want to believe? I have given you biologically. I have given you spiritually. I have given you through the cross. I've given you direct access. It's literally sitting in your lap. What are you going to do with this? And we go, oh, Lord. Right? You read that verse in Ephesians 6, and we say, oh, resist. You know, stand firm, resist. So we're like, stand firm resisting, you know, and the Lord is like, no, standing firm is like aggressive. It's like, you will not move me, like come at me. I'm not bowing. This is not my natural personality, okay, but I have figured out how to be like this because I got so sick and tired of being frustrated with God, and this interesting thing happened that as I went through systematically, I began to learn to trust him and reframe my whole worldview, and that's what I'm inviting you into today, so I want to share one more personal story this happened um, right before that Psalm 18 season, okay? And um, I hit a place of burnout. Some of you guys know that. I, I Really what happened was what I believed and what I was experiencing was just so far that it started to have a physical effect on my body. I just was tired all the time. I was angry all the time. I was not a very pleasant person to be with, except at church where I had a really great smile on my face uh, all the time. But um, at home, Grant will tell you, he was like, you know, he was out, we were doing youth ministry, and he's out there taking all these people, sharing the gospel, and he'd send me a text, oh my gosh, five, five kids got saved at the mall, and I'd be like, that's so great. That's how I felt. It's embarrassing, but that's how I felt. Because I was like, I should be really happy, but I'm just really mad. I'm mad about my life. I'm mad that I don't like my life. I'm blaming it on you, even though you didn't do any of this, you know? But that's what feels easy. And I hit this place of burnout. <clears throat> and we went to this counseling retreat in Louisiana, and um, I've shared some of those stories. Actually, you guys got to meet that counselor if you were here a little two years ago, I guess, Eddie and Judy Parrish. Amazing, amazing people. But in that counseling, one of the counseling sessions, they handed me this piece of paper, and there was this little story, and essentially there was two categories of people on the paper. It was self-validated people and others-validated people. And so, you know, ever the perfectionist, I'm reading this story trying to figure out what's the right answer to be. Does anybody else like that? I'm like, I know one of these is going to be wrong, so how can I figure out which one is right, even though I was instructed not to do that? I didn't obey that instruction, and I was really conflicted because I could see myself in the other's validated category, but I could not admit that that wasn't helpful to my life. Has anybody ever been in a place like that? So, uh, you know, it was true. I was another's validated person, and what happened was I began to realize 
that I would only allow myself to feel what other people could confirm was okay to feel. So some of you guys may be struggling with this as well. So it looks like Christmas morning, you're feeling really excited until the, uh, like your spouse or somebody else is not also feeling the same excitement that you are, and then you start to feel a little less excited. Maybe you hide it well, but like internally, or you know, like you're giving somebody a gift and you're so excited about this gift, and then they're like, that's cool. And you're like, oh, I was like thinking you were gonna you know, bust out confetti out of your sleeves and be like, this is the best gift I've ever had, you know? And it affects how you feel because you're looking for other people to validate how you feel. So through this counseling session, you know, poor Grant, I was doing this to him probably all of the time. And he is the kind of person that's just very even keeled. So, you know, it was not even possible for him to even try to feel some of the things I was feeling because we're just wired really differently. And so the Lord began to put this desire in my heart not to be that way right, that this is not helpful, it's not helpful to my marriage, it's not helpful to my relationship with my kids, to anybody, and so we, we left that retreat, and we were um, driving nine hours coming home, and we were talking, and I said, you know, it's so funny to me now, because I couldn't even see this at the time, but I said, you know, I really don't want to be like this, and I started just saying, like, let's, let's work on this together, like, I need to get, I need to, like, figure out how to get a hold of this part of my life, and he wasn't validating my excitement to deal with it, and we ended up in this huge argument, which is just so ironic, because I'm like, it was that same thing coming out in a different expression, but what I decided to do with the Lord was every time I felt myself reaching for that validation, I was just going to call it what it was. You can imagine how awkward this would be for someone whose all of my thoughts were based in this camp. And so I said to Grant and one other friend of mine that, was, that I was really close with that I found myself doing this with her a lot, I said, listen, every time I feel this in me, I'm just going to, even if I have to interrupt you, I'm just going to call it out and say, oh, I'm reaching again. Because what I wanted to do was tell myself that's not okay anymore. Right? I can't, I, the Lord wasn't visiting me miraculously in that way. That's not what he was doing. He was teaching me how to fight. He was teaching me how to have confidence in what he's put inside of me already, right? And so I, so I would do it. We'd be mid-conversation, and I would feel myself starting to, like, get frustrated, and I would just go, I'm sorry, can, can you stop for a second? I just need to confess the fact that I'm doing this again. I wasn't confessing because I thought it was a sin. I was confessing because I needed to hear myself say, that's not how you are anymore, are you guys tracking with me on this? So about eight months goes by. A month or two later, I wasn't having to confess it as much. I was just really aware at the moment, oh, I'm doing this again. And it was easier and easier to put it in check. So about eight months goes by, and it was Grant's birthday, and I'd planned this big birthday party for him, and I did all the things I thought he would love, right? Any wives, you know, it's like your husband doesn't always like the same things you do. So I, I worked really hard in my brain to try to figure out what would he think is a great birthday. And so we, we had this dinner party, and it was really fun, and we're driving home from Lake Hefner, and I said, um, hey, you know, did you have fun tonight? which all of you women know is a loaded question. You don't want to know just did you have fun. You want to know did you feel loved, celebrated? Was there anything else I could have done? You know, so there's a lot of things behind that. I said, did you have fun tonight? And he's, he's driving with, I'll just give you this, he, just, without even looking at me, he goes, yeah. Okay, so I sat there, I was like, huh. And like a good two minutes go by, and I said, oh my gosh, I never once thought that was a bad response. And it was like, you know, he's like startled. The other people in our car are like, what the heck just happened, you know? And I'm like, it just dawned on me, we've been driving in silence, that I don't care about how you responded. I mean, I care that you had a good time, but I don't care about the way you said it. Do you know what I'm saying? And it was this like unbelievable moment of victory to me where I'm like, wait a second, it's working. 
All the confessing, all the retraining, all the renewing, all the taking your thoughts captive are working. This was like, I don't know, five, six years ago. I don't even think like that anymore. It's like hard for me to even feel like anybody else owes me a validation of a feeling. Isn't that insane? Now, I'm not saying that because you have to be in this journey. I'm just saying this is the best example from my own life that I can show you about how if you'll do the work, if you'll do the hustle and the grind in the secret place, it will produce good fruit for you. We're in this great season of life right now where hustle and grind and perseverance and all that kind of stuff is like the theme, right? Like we want, like all the entrepreneurs, if you're familiar with them, I got a lot of entrepreneurs in my life and I'm not one, which is so hilarious. But you know, that's the thing. You got to put your head down and just keep grinding and grinding. And we look at that in a business setting and we celebrate that, but we don't understand that's part of what we're called to in our faith, right? The hustle and the grind of showing up to the Lord day by day, even when you feel like you're just staring at a wall, even when he's purposefully hiding himself from you so that you get to see what do I really think about you, Lord? Because that happens too. All right, let's land this plane. So I wanted to bring you guys into what's happening in your brain again. I'm going to say this again. Because I genuinely believe that so many of us are struggling because of the natural and God-ordained process of our brain. And if we can learn to work with our brain, we can actually thrive. Right? If we can learn to retrain our thoughts, we can actually step into that place where it's available to us. I had an experience recently that was very difficult for me. It was really, really hard. There was some things that were said that were unbelievably hurtful. And the whole time I was sitting there while this was happening and I was just like hyper aware of the presence of God in my life. You know? And I just, I couldn't change what was happening. Um, it wasn't anybody in here, so don't worry. <laughs> But I couldn't change what was happening, but I was sitting there and I was just like, I just could feel the Lord wrapping his arms around me. And when I was reflecting on this and talking this out with the Lord, I realized, you know what, God, it's my awareness of you that turned what could have been a really, really terrible situation into a fairly terrible situation, right? It's, that's what locking in a kingdom lifestyle looks like. It's that and it's the miracles and all the good stuff that we are already attribute it to, but it's the inner peace, it's the inner confidence. It's the ability to rest when everything around you is chaotic. It's the ability to like, like almost if, if you're like an imaginative person like I am, it's almost like you step into Jesus and then you become no more, right? You're still there, but it's like he becomes so much bigger than you that he begins to affect the things in your life. And then your yieldedness to him lets you be able to speak what he wants to do. You can't get there if you're still disintegrated disintegrated, not disintegrated. <laughs> if you're still disconnected, right? So this is what I want to do. Um, <clears throat> you guys, I just really love you guys so much. And this is really my heart, honestly. I've been thinking about this all week as the Lord's been putting it on my heart, and I'm like, I can look at each one of you, and I can just be like, man, you, every single one of you, are called to so much more than you can even fathom. And life is just hard, but the hardness of life doesn't have to sink us, right? We are designed by God to thrive and overcome whatever is in our way. We just have to get our brain, the organ of our brain, back into its rightful place so that it actually helps us, so that logic holds you to the promises of God, so that emotions don't sink you, and all of that. So I felt like the Lord wanted us to, to land with this question. I don't know, Grant, you can put on some music if you want to. Um, but I feel like the Lord, the question the Holy Spirit's asking is, what is standing in your way? Like, give it a name. Because the reality is that as long as we just think 
well, I struggle, but we can't identify my struggle is with fear. My struggle is with control. I don't want to surrender. My struggle is with disappointment, right? We, we have to give it a name so that we know what's happening in our brain so we can categorize it the right way. Some of us, my struggle is your timing, Lord. I hate your timing. It stinks. <laughs> and so the Lord goes, okay, come into my trust. Come into that place of trust, right? So we have to be able to identify the struggle. So that's the question that's on my heart and on the Lord's heart for you today is what's standing in your way? It might be beliefs. It might be lies. It might be wounds and hurts. It might be the enemy because that's a real thing too. But we have the power to overcome sitting within us. So what we're going to do is just take a minute and just open your heart to the Lord. If you're comfortable, if you're not comfortable, it's totally fine. We are free people and God gives you the choice and we do too. So if, you, if this is weird to you, that's fine. Don't participate. But if it's stirring in you, jump in, okay? So here's what the Lord wants to do. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. He's already here, but I'm going to ask him to come into your heart and begin to shift some things. And so we ask you, Lord, to identify what is the struggle that's before us. So if you're new to this, just quiet your heart. Just ask the Lord, and he's going to show you. It might be a memory, a picture, a thought, So again, Lord, what is the thing that's, that's holding us back from you? What can I apply my faith to today? Okay, so if you need to write that down so you don't forget, write that down. And then the second question for you is this, Lord, what is my strategy of how I can begin to overcome this? What's the plan that you're laying out for me 